0: Hey, welcome to Central Christian Church. Online we are so glad that you have have tuned in we literally have folks all across this country uh, and and actually around the world but I want to give a special shout out to those of you joining us in the sunny state of Arizona right now and a special shout out as well to all of our central family right here in the bay so glad that you have have joined us uh, we realize every week whenever we gather in, in this space anyway that that there are first time guests that come in and, and just exploring the claims of Jesus and just checking this place out. And so I can only imagine that that has, has increased in this season and this is a great season just to check things, check things out. And, and no pressure on this, but whenever you're ready, uh, we would love to connect with you. Uh, if you're watching on our, our, our live stream platform, there is a connection card, digital connection card, love for you to fill out uh, and just get to know you a little bit more. We can connect with you that way, uh, but no pressure whenever you're ready. And we will make a donation when you are ready to an incredible organization right here in the Bay called, called City Team. So we're, we're glad that you have, have tuned in. In. Hey, before we get into the message, I wanted to just give you a quick update on uh, some things that took place. Last week was Easter. I mean, let's be honest, it was probably one of the most bizarre Easters that, that I have ever experienced anyway. Uh, but I hope you had a wonderful Easter. Uh, good things, good things are happening. For us here at Central Christian Church, man, we had over a thousand people uh, view our Easter experience. 16 people committed their lives to Jesus last weekend at Easter. And that is worth celebrating. But before you start giving a round of applause and blowing foghorns in your living room, uh, just another quick update. Uh, This online platform that we're currently using is used by 25,000 churches here in the States. And last weekend, over 10 million unique users tuned in to an Easter online experience. And and check this out. 69,422 people indicated that they started following Jesus just last weekend. Now let's give that a round of applause. Blow the fog horns, baby, because that's worth, we're celebrating. And that is just on our, the online platform that we're using. That doesn't include Facebook, uh, YouTube, live streams. It doesn't include Vimeo or any of those others. So I'm just saying, I just highlight to say, say God's on the move. Uh, good things are happening in the midst of a very, very challenging season. And so just wanted to, to highlight that for you. And for some of you, you might not be aware of, of some of the ways that, they, that you are responding. Central Christian Church is responding to this, this COVID-19 global pandemic. Uh, I just want you to know, as a pastor, man, I'm so proud of our church. Uh, many of you are making face masks and giving them out to, to people that you know, friends in the church, outside of the church. We are going grocery shopping for the elderly. And people who who are, who are at risk, and so thanks for doing that. We've been sharing on next door, letting our neighbors know that, that man, we, would, we you might not know us. We don't want anything from you, but we'd love to go shopping for you, and and that's been cool to see the response on that. We've been providing meals for for folks on the front lines working in the midst of this season, and giving notes and writing cards to people in nursing homes and healthcare professionals. And uh, uh, that's just a, a short list of some of the ways that you, Central Christian Church, are responding in the midst of this, this challenging time. And I just want you to know, man, I think that brings God so much joy. And, uh, and for that reason, I'm so, so proud, so honored uh, to be a part uh, of this church. And while, while the doors across America to church buildings are locked, the doors for the church are wide open and God is doing some exceptional things. And, and this is an exciting season for us to, to be the church. So let's pray. And then we're gonna jump into today's today's message. Well, God, I thank you so much for what you're doing. God, I, we, we thank you first for your radical grace. God, for your rescuing power and for, for all that Easter and all that, that this season represents. Uh, but God, we thank you for allowing us to to, to be the church in the midst of a, a very challenging time. Uh, but God, I'm thankful that, that there's no way the church can be closed because the church has been unleashed. And Father, you're showing up in big ways. So I pray, God, that you would empower your church to serve well and to live well, to, to lead well in the midst of, of this season. So God, would just speak to us today through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, it was the first time I had ever been to San Jose, and I was I was traveling back to what was my home at the time in in Las Vegas to see my family, and and Chris Pinkham actually dropped me off at the airport, so shout out to you, Pinkham family, so glad that you're tuning in, and uh, but but I got to my gate, and I thought, man, I, I can't wait to see my kids, can't wait to see my my beautiful bride, Tiffalicious, and uh, and, and so I, I I'm kind of combing through some emails, trying to unpack an overwhelming uh, inbox of emails. And so I just sit down and, and they call us, you know, start boarding uh, for Las Vegas. So I, I, I'm kind of still going through my phone and I jump in line and start taking next steps, you know, towards towards the ticket counter. And I, I finally get there and, and, and I show him my ticket, like, hey, here, here it is, like, uh, I'm ready to board the flight. And, and he's like, uh, you, you need to have a ticket to get on this plane. I'm like, well. Well, this is my ticket. Like, just scan it, and I'm trying to get to a destination. Can you help me out here? He's like, no, you, that's not a ticket for this flight. You're going to have to pull up your actual ticket. I'm like, this is the only ticket I got. And so I start going back into the, the, the Southwest Airlines app, trying to figure out, like, did I pull up a wrong ticket? And, and about that time, that's when it happened, first time in my life, over the PA system at San Jose International Airport. Paging Tim Perkins, your flight to Las Vegas is about to depart. Could you please head to your gate immediately? And I tell the guy, I'm like, that's me, dude. Like, can you just get, like, you're calling me to get on this flight. I'm trying to go to Las Vegas to see my family. And uh, he's like, Las Vegas, Uh, this plane's going to Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm like, oh boy. And so I turn around and literally can see the lady paging me over the intercom and I, I do the 25 yard walk of shame to my actual, actual gate. Good intentions, but I took next steps that was leading me to a very wrong destination. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, because this is a great season for us to take some, some next steps in our lives. This is a great season for us to recalibrate and ask ourselves, are the next steps that I'm taking, regardless of my, my intentions to get to a specific destination, are my, the steps I'm taking going to lead me there to that, that destination? And really, life is it's kind of like that. Sometimes we want to take good steps, want to take, take the right next step, but but, man, we're just standing in the wrong line. And so, uh, so I want to talk to you about some next steps to take, especially following Easter and, and everybody that's making spiritual decisions. Maybe you just committed your life to Christ, or maybe you've been following Jesus for your entire life. But wherever you are in your spiritual journey, I want to give you some practical next steps that will help you thrive spiritually. Here's one of my favorite favorite verses in the Bible. It's in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Check this out. It says, says this means that, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. I don't know about for you, but that's good news for me. The, the old life is gone. And check this out. The new life has begun. Charles Spurgeon, uh, he's known as the Prince of Preachers. He words it this way. He says, conversion is turning onto the right road. The next thing to do is to walk on it. In other words, uh, surrender your life to Jesus, that's the first step. You're getting on the right path. The best next step is to start taking some, some next steps. So in Ephesians 4, 22 through, through 24, it kind of frames up what this, this new life, these next steps look like for us. And he says, says this, this is Paul, and he says, says you were taught with regard to your, your former way of life to put off the, the old self and I kind of like that imagery. It's kind of like I'm taking off some stinky clothes and I'm going to, I'm going to put on something, something new. Take off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to, to be made new. How is that going to happen? I've got to renew my stinking thinking and my attitude of my mind. And to put on the new self, created to be like Christ in true righteousness and holiness so we're going to talk about that today. How do we thrive spiritually on this journey? And what are some some things for us to be aware of as we take next steps? Here's the first fill in the blank if you're taking some notes with us. The first fill in the blank is to anticipate resistance. Anticipate resistance. Resistance. Uh, all of us, man, because of our, our history, because of our family heritage, like we have some, for some natural resistance that's woven into us that's going to try to pull us in the, the wrong direction. Just the gravitational pull of life is going to try to pull us in the wrong direction. But But beyond that, you have a very real very real enemy, and in the Bible, Jesus actually describes him as this way in John 10.10. 10. He says, says there's an enemy, there's a, a thief, and here's his primary purpose, here's his goal. He, he, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but here's what Jesus wants for you. He, he wants, he came that you may have life and have it to the full, so we need to anticipate some resistance, and, and I would say three things that the enemy especially wants to do, and, and is he steal kill, destroy. He wants to kill your potential with guilt. Kill your potential with guilt. The reality is before you were ever born, you had potential. Uh, God endowed you with great purpose, even before you had a heartbeat. Uh, check this out in Galatians 1.5. This is Paul again. and He says, uh, but even before I was born, God chose me. He gave me purpose. He called me by name, by his marvelous grace. Let's read another one in Jeremiah. Uh, he's, this is God speaking now. And he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you. I gave you purpose. Uh, not only do you have potential, you have, you have purpose. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Listen, if you had purpose, if you had, had potential before you were born, man, just imagine how much potential, how much purpose you have have right now. And for some of you, even as I say that, you're like, yeah, but you don't know. And I know, like we've all, we've all made some mistakes. Bob Goff puts it this way. He says, we are all rough drafts of people we're becoming. We're all rough drafts. I mean, we got some, some things scratched out. We got some exclamation points on there. We got some tears in our rough draft. In other words, Bob's basically saying, man, we are imperfect people in progress. And that is true. And the enemy, though, he wants to kill your potential with guilt and to keep you down. Uh, Peter, he, he puts it this way. Uh, he says this. He says, you got you to stay alert. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. There it is, the devil. Here's what he does. He prowls around like a, a roaring lion. He's not, he's not handing out hugs. He's looking for some people to devour. He wants to devour you. He wants to kill your potential with guilt. Second thing he wants to do, he wants to destroy my hope with fear. He wants to destroy my hope with fear. And we're, we're living in a climate today where, where fear has a whole lot of ammunition and hope is under attack. Look at this in John 8, 44. Uh, again, this is Jesus said, said, he's a murderer from the beginning, talking about your your enemy. He's a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Check this out. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a, a liar and the father of lies and here's the challenging thing with your enemy he'll always attach as a lie to to a truth and so so it's hard for us to discern is this real is this is this is this fake or and so it destroys he tries to destroy our hope with fear so so here's what you got to do here's your best next step here's a here's a reminder you got to guard your heart you got to guard your heart proverbs 4.23 4.23 says, you, this is an action step. No one else can do this for you. Your mom can't do it for you. You can't do it for your kids. Your, your grandparents can't do this for you. You can't do it for your grandparents. You have to guard your heart above all else. I don't know what your priorities are today, but, but Proverbs would say above all else, above, above all those things you got to do, guard your heart. For it will determine the course of your life. It will determine what next steps we take, uh, got to guard your heart. John 14, 27, Jesus makes this promise. He, he doesn't want to fill your heart with fear. He says, he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I don't give it as the world gives. So check this out. Do not let, it's something I have to do. I, I can't let my heart be troubled and do not be be afraid. Colossians three fifteen says this. Let. There's action. There's something I have to do. I have a role to play in experiencing God's peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since, as members of one body, you are called to peace, and be thankful. How, how do we let God's peace have a louder voice than our fears, especially in a season like this, especially with a very real enemy who wants to destroy my hope with fear? Well, we got to feed our hopes starve our fears. Yeah, honestly, very practically, uh, for some of us, the best next step you can take this week is just, just turn off the news for a while. Like, like watch it, stay up to date. You need to stay in the know, but you don't need to have it blaring in the background because it's, it's, it's pounding us with a message of fear lately, not a message of hope. If we're going to walk in faith and, and walk in hope, and we've got to starve our fears. Uh, Maya Angelou said this. She said, hope and fear cannot occupy the same space. So invite one of them to stay. They can't occupy the same space. Invite one to stay. Here's the final thing the enemy wants to do He wants to steal my identity with shame, He wants to steal your identity. With shame. Uh, the enemy, man, he is so crafty. He's gonna, he's gonna try to lure us into doing some things that look really appetizing, but once we take action on them, he's gonna throw it in our face to doubt us, douse us with, with shame. Uh, he is a trash talker. Brene Brown says this that shame is an unspoken epidemic. The secret behind many forms of broken behavior is shame. Guilt says, I've done something wrong and I feel bad about what I've done. Shame says, I am what's wrong and there's no hope for me. Revelation 12, 10 Reminds us of, of this, this enemy. He, says that he's, he calls him an accuser. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who, who accuses them before God day and night. I mean, he's a relentless accuser. At this point, has been hurled down. Now, this hasn't happened yet. This is what will happen one day. But as of now, he's still accusing the brothers and sisters, the, the family of God, uh, of stuff that we've done. He's a, he's a trash talker. Uh, my my boys have been playing uh, uh, a little more Xbox these days. Been playing some NBA Two K and uh, and I love it. Uh, my my six year old son he's he's uh, he's a trash talker, and it doesn't matter how defeated he is. Doesn't matter how bad he is losing. He is gonna talk trash the whole time. He, he always picks the Golden State Warriors, and so he's like he's like oh yeah you like that Steph Curry? Come on baby let's go talking trash the whole time. You like that one? Here comes the Another one here comes another one here comes the thunder cookie baby and I'm like where did you learn thunder cookie like where did that where did that come from that's uh, kind of fun coming from a, a six year old but when when the accuser comes and he throws up some some really challenging stuff that you've done that I've done tries to steal our identity with shame it's one thing when you're playing Xbox One. It's a very different thing when it strikes at the core of who we are. Got to guard your heart. Remember this, Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation if you're a follower of Christ. Listen, the enemy wants you to focus on your sins. God wants you to focus on his his son. The enemy says, look at what you did, but God says, look at what I've already done done. You have been set free. There is no condemnation. So the enemy wants to to steal our our God-given identity and silence us with shame. And we just need to anticipate that as we go on this journey. We need to anticipate some resistance. But the second thing we need to do on this journey, some next steps that we, we can take is declare Gods salvation declare God's salvation uh, and here's how we do this uh, number one we, we, we use our words to declare God's salvation you know we could use our words these days to bring about some hope to some people that desperately need it some people in your own household right now could use some hope some very very close people to you in your circle of influence man a phone call with a little bit of hope will go miles for them right now we need to we need to speak hope and speak life like what has God done for you. Remember that. Tell yourself that. Tell others about that. Use your words to declare God's salvation. I love it. There's so many instances of this in in scripture, but but once people have this this encounter with Jesus, like the first thing they do is tell everybody about what Jesus has done for them. Uh, Here's one example in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 41. It says, the, the first thing Andrew did. Andrew had this encounter with Jesus. The first thing he did was find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Like, like this is, that's the Christ. Like, and then he brought him to Jesus. He, he used his words to declare, hey, the hope has arrived. Hope is alive and I need you to meet him because his name is Jesus. Second way we could declare God's salvation is I can declare God's salvation with my water baptism, water baptism. And so if you, you've never been baptized, man, your best next step is to go public with your faith, declare God's salvation by, by being baptized. And some people might say, well, why, why should I be baptized? Well, well, there's several reasons why. I'm just going give to you, give you three. Uh, the first one is because Jesus said it. Jesus said to get baptized. And so if you're a follower of Jesus Baptism is your best next step. And I mean, again, if you're a Christian, like that's kind of a mic drop moment. We don't need to keep going through the list. I mean, Jesus said, do it, do it. Jesus himself was baptized. So another good reason is to be like, man, you know, Christian, the word Christian means, means little Christ. And so if we're going to imitate him, we need to imitate him in the way he lived, the way he talked, what he said, the way he lived. And Jesus was baptized. And so as followers of Jesus, we follow him in this act of obedience of baptism. Uh, and then finally, some people say, you know, well, I, I was baptized as a as a baby, you know, I don't think I need to be baptized now that I made my, my, my declaration, that I've, I've made this commitment to Jesus. And, and I would just just invite you to think about a couple things. Uh, one, there are 27 accounts in the New Testament of people who are baptized, and none of them were children. Uh, they were all adults who made a cognitive decision, and they went public with their faith. Through baptism and if if you 're concerned like maybe for some of you, like maybe your parents have passed away, and, and you 're like, man, my parents had me, me, me had me baptized as a as a baby and I, I think that would be be rude to ignore that reality. And, and I would just submit to you to consider that perhaps that wouldn't be dishonoring to your parents, but maybe it would be the most honoring thing that you could do for them to be baptized as an adult. Your, your parents had you baptized as an infant because they said, you know what? I want my son, I want my daughter to grow up to love God, to love people, to, to obey his word and be the, the man or the woman that God created him to be. And for you to go public with your faith would be to honor them and say, mom and dad, what you wish for me back then I'm making a public declaration right here, right now, today, that I am that man. I am that woman. And I want to honor them in that process. You know, for, for me, my baptism story, I, I got baptized when I was, was eight years old. I was at a vacation uh, Bible school and, and my buddies were getting baptized. I mean, it was an awesome summer. We had snow cones and baptism. I mean, I don't know if it gets any better than that. Uh, but my buddies were getting baptized. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to do this as well. And and uh, I don't need to try to split hairs on this, but my life went a very different direction after that moment. And so whenever I surrendered my life to God in my, my 20s, uh, I wrestled with, should I get baptized again? And, and after a long wrestling match, when I was 21 years old, uh, I went, went public with my faith to de- declare through my baptism that God had changed my life, that God rescued me. I'm not the man I used to be. And, and it was more of an act of surrender, and humbling myself. I was a leader in that church at at the time, but But it was a moment I'll never forget, and it was a moment I'll never regret. And I guarantee the same would be true of you. You will always remember this moment, and you would never regret this moment. So if your best next step is to go public with your faith through baptism, it would be our joy, it would be our honor to journey with you through that that spiritual step of obedience. You could email us at info at sj.org and we can follow up with you, get you some next steps, even in the midst of... This crazy season, we, we might have to get creative, but uh, but but it, it's very real, very possible. So um, so that'd be awesome. The third and final, third and final thing is to to cultivate God's presence. If we're going to take next steps, uh, we need to cultivate God's God's presence in our lives. Uh, a couple of things that, that Tiffany and I have been praying for you specifically in this season. Uh, really, three things we've been praying for for God's protection over your life in the midst of all this sickness. We've been praying for, for God's provision in your life in the midst of uh, the, the everything going on in this global pandemic. And we've been praying for God's presence to be on your life like never before. And I wanna to talk to you about that third one, God's presence, experiencing God's presence in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, this is a great time to, to, to take some next steps and experience God at a level that you never have before, and so so here's here's what this this looks like. Some next steps. James one eight says this: uh, You take some next steps towards God. He's going to take some next steps towards you. You come near to God. The promise of Scripture is God is going to come near. To you. So, how do we cultivate? How do we we cultivate God's presence in our life? Here, here's the first one: uh, God's word. If we're going to cultivate God's presence in our lives, we got to hear from God by, by getting our nose in in the word in the, in the Bible. And some people say, "Well, well, that's just a book." No, 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 no. I would I would argue that tooth and nail. Because here's what here's what Scripture says in Hebrews four twelve. It says, "This isn't just any book, but it's alive." The word of God is is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It, It is cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes the inmost thoughts and desires. Like it is alive. And as you begin to read God's word, it'll come alive in you and it'll begin to take shape in your mind. And maybe you're on this this online experience, or just checking it out at a later date, and you're like, I don't even believe in the Bible. I don't think the Bible's true. I don't think it's relevant for today. Well, I would just say, man, it's the number one best-selling book in the history of humanity. It's the number one book in Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, if for no other reason than that reason alone, it is worth your time and investment to read it. Uh, Here's the reality. If you don't want to keep falling for lies, we got to anchor ourselves in truth. If you don't want to keep falling for lies, we got to anchor ourselves in truth. Uh, bank tellers—they they don't study fake money; they just handle the real thing all day, every day. And any time a counterfeit bill comes across, they can detect it immediately because they've been dealing with the real, the real thing. Listen—you you can anchor yourself in God's truth, or you can keep falling for counterfeit bills. Anchor yourself. In God's truth, here's some practical next steps. If you don't have the U version Bible app on your phone or mobile device, I would invite you to download that puppy. If you just go to the App Store and just just search Bible, it's most likely going to be the first Bible app to pop up. Over 400 million people have downloaded the U version bible app we 're actually starting a, a reading plan as a church there 's different reading plans in there you, you can actually have, have have the Bible read to you in a, in a version that you can understand so maybe you have a King James Version Bible in in your house, and nothing wrong with King James, but if you have a hard time understanding it there 's multiple translations that'll be easy for you to understand it 's written in modern day vernacular you got to check it out but we're we 're going to start a new u version Bible reading plan this week actually on the topic of how to read the Bible for all its worth so so I'm not going to spend a whole lot more time on this topic, but but join us on there. And actually, if you want to join us in that reading plan, the best next step for you to do is to to scroll down to the message notes and under the next step area, you can just click on that link. That'll take you directly to that, that Bible reading reading plan. You can grab a devotional or, or you can just, just pick up a Bible. Uh, research shows that nine out of ten people in America have a Bible in their home. And so you, got, you most likely have a Bible in your home. Just, this is a great season to pick it up and start reading it. And you're like, well, I don't even know where to begin. I would invite you to start reading the book of Mark. Read Mark chapter one. Read a chapter of day. And here's five questions I would invite you to ask every time you read that chapter in the Bible. Ask yourself, what, what do I learn about God? From this text, ask yourself, what do I learn about about people or mankind as a whole from, from what the Bible is saying? Ask yourself, why is this even in the Bible? Like, what is this story trying to communicate to us? Then ask, what is God trying to teach me through this text? And then finally, what action do I need to take today in light? Of what I've just read. And really for the Bible to truly come alive for all of us, it requires us to do step five. Take some action. Take some next steps and apply what you've learned and then pray. God gives you the opportunity to share that reality with someone else. Uh, second, we've got to move quick here. Um, second is is worship. If we're going to cultivate God's presence in our life, we need to be, be people who worship. And I know worship can take on a lot of forms, but I'm, I'm specifically talking about, about worship within singing and song. We see it throughout the Bible, threaded from from beginning to end, people lifting their voices in worship. And here's what worship is. Worship is really just declaring God's worth, using our words to say, God, you've been so good to me. God, God, you are so big. You created the heavens and the earth. God, you are so awesome. You just go through the list of how worthy he is. And you, you just lift your voice. And here's what's going to happen. Psalm 22:3 3 says, says that, that, but you are holy. You're enthroned. You're enthroned. Another, another translation says you inhabit the praises of your people. God inhabits the praises of his people. Listen, if you don't know how to connect with God, if you don't know where God is in this season, you just begin to worship him and he's going to come find you. I guarantee it. Uh, this week, I was, I was actually trying to type out some content and, and work from my, my bedroom. And, and so this in this season, my earplugs are my best friend. So I, I stick in these earplugs all the time and try to get some work done. But even with earplugs in my ears, I could hear my daughter, Elsie, singing. And she was singing in her room. And and you know what she was was singing? She was singing, I love my daddy. I love my daddy. I love my daddy. Yes, I do. But she was singing like as loud as she could on repeat. I love my daddy. And I thought, what the heck? This is awesome. So I pulled out the earplugs like. Yep, that's her. Yep, that's what she's saying. And, and I, so I draw near to her in that moment. I go to the door in that moment and I, I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm, I'm leaning in. I'm listening. I'm, I'm coming close to her in that moment. And, and I go in and we have a, we have a little daddy-daughter moment. It was, it was awesome. But I'm just saying worship is like that. Your heavenly father draws near when we lift our voice, when we, when we, when we give him adoration, when we declare, like, God, this is who you are and this is how I feel about you. He's going to come near to you. And then finally, prayer. If we're going to cultivate God's presence in our life, we got to be people of prayer. And sometimes this can be a real intimidating topic, but prayer is simply talking to God just like I'm, I'm talking to you right now. You just lift your voice and talk to him about what's going on in your life, how you're feeling in this season, things you're processing, questions that you have. You just talk to God, and, and I believe he's gonna talk back to you. Romans 12, 12 says this. And this has been a challenging text and, and, and an encouraging text all at the same time lately. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. In our U version reading plan uh, a couple weeks ago, one of our, our, our elders, one of our board members, Richard Rock, made a comment in, in that day's reading plan that sometimes he, he likes to kind of reverse engineer the text and, and almost make it into a declaration of, of reality taking place. And so, so we could reverse engineer this text. And here's what it could say. Because I am faithful in prayer, I am patient in affliction, and I am joyful in hope. Could that declaration be true of you in this season? And man, that was a gut check for me. I'll say that this week. Have I been faithful in prayer? Am I being patient in affliction? Am I being joyful in hope? The Bible says joy's available, patience in affliction's available, contingent on being faithful in this topic of prayer. Jeremiah 33:3, one of my favorite. Scriptures, once again, says this, call to me. This is God speaking. He says, call to me. I'm going to answer you. I'm going to tell you great unsearchable things that you do not know. Like that's a promise of Scripture. What a joy to call on God. What a joy to talk to God who created all things. It's the best. It's the most important appointment you'll ever make. Pull up a chair. Pull up two chairs. You sit in one, talk to God in the other. It'll change your life. Here, here's two, two simple application points. Again, these could be whole series, uh, but here's just two application points I wanna invite you to apply to your life this week. Two application points when it comes to prayer. One would be pray out loud. When you talk to God, I invite you this week to talk out loud. Now, some of us, especially depending on our, our background, depending on our, our heritage, depending on a, how comfortable we are, uh, prayer is always a silent, very somber thing. Uh, but, but I don't have time to go into all the details. But I would just invite you this week: try it, pray out loud. I've, for me personally, this has been a game changer. Second thing I would invite you to do is to pray scripture. Some of you are like, "Man, I don't even know. I don't even know what to pray." Well, just just turn to Psalm 23 and pray that Psalm this week. It, it'll be a game changer for you, uh, for your family. Pray Psalm 91 for for yourself personally pray pray the armor of god in Romans 6:10 through 18 for your church pray Ephesians 1:15 through 23 you just just read the text and turn it into a prayer it's one of the most powerful powerful habits that you can ever cultivate to enjoy god's presence and and since we're on this topic i just want to to look into this camera right here and 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 say thank you to my mom and dad if it weren't for you and, and for, for your prayers, for me throughout my life and the grace of God, man, I certainly wouldn't be on this stage talking about the power of prayer. But, but for all you parents, all you grandparents, uh, prayer is so powerful. God responds to the prayers of his people, and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or imagine. Be faithful in prayer. This Wednesday at 12 p.m., we're actually going to be, uh, I'll be jumping on Facebook Live and, and talking more about, about this topic of prayer and, and using scriptures as a springboard to prayer. And so, so I hope you'll, you'll join me uh, for that. But, but what an honor it is to talk to the creator of the universe, to know that your heavenly father, who, who spoke and, and created all that we know, man, he didn't break a sweat in the process. He wants to hear from you. You worship him, he's going to draw near. You read his word, he's going to talk to you. You, you. you talk to him and he's going to listen. What an honor. And some of you might be thinking, well, great message, Tim, but I already know I have an enemy. I've already been baptized. I read my Bible every day. I enjoy lifting my voice in worship and, and I, I love cultivating a lifestyle of prayer. And I would say, man, that's awesome. And I'm so glad that you've tuned in. And here's what the end goal is for all of us. It's not more information. The end goal for us is to become like Jesus, to be disciples that make disciples. And so if all this information is not new information to you, then I would invite you to, to just take an inventory, how you're doing and applying this information. And I would also invite you to ask yourself these questions. How am I helping others know the predictable tax of the enemy? How am I helping people in my circle of influence know that they can, they can anticipate some resistance in this life? Ask yourself, who, who am I helping take their next step towards baptism this week? Ask yourself, who am I helping to, to learn the Bible and, and how to read it and get, get, study the Bible for all of its worth and, and hear from heaven? Who am I helping today? Ask yourself, who am I helping cultivate a heart of worship and a lifestyle of prayer? But let's not merely ask those questions. Let's answer those questions, church, with with names, with faces, with examples of people that we're, we're bringing along on this journey. And if you don't, spiritual life can become very dry. The plain things of Christianity are really the main things of Christianity, We tend to overcomplicate things. But here's the big idea. Here's the final fill in the blank for all of us. The key to my spiritual growth and your spiritual growth is to take next steps and to take them now. The key to my spiritual growth, the key to your spiritual growth, is to take some next steps and to take them right now. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you so much for the realities that we just talked about, that God, you have our back. You're a big God. And and when we lift our voice to you, God, you hear us. And just like wherever we are on our journey, God, if our kids come to us with a need, or if our kids come and they they try to take some next steps towards, they try to engage and build this relationship with us, God, God, we love that. And, And you love that, God, when we do that with you. So Father, for everyone that's listening to this, everyone that's watching this, God, would you help us to take our best next step today? Because we know, God, that's going to bring your heart joy. That's going to bring you pleasure. And what an honor to think of that reality, that we could bring you pleasure today. God, help us to be those people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.